Hello and welcome to Great Ridge Station, a place to sit back and relax while waiting for your train to board. I'm your host, Sam Helgerson, and I'm pretty much a fixture around these parts. The goal here at the depot is to help you strengthen your own practice of leadership, no matter where you serve. Every episode will give you not only the background theory, but some practical tools that you can use right away. Great Ridge Station is a service of Great Ridge Group, LLC. Thanks for stopping in on your way through. Season 1, Episode 4. For years, I've talked about the idea of pressing leadership. Now, usually that's part of a very context-specific discussion. And at this point, that context wouldn't help you. It might make this topic a bit more murky. So I've pulled out the general principles in a way that will allow you to apply them to your own work and leadership and recognize when they're being applied to you. The whole idea of pressing leadership even sounds uncomfortable. It doesn't feel good when a leader applies pressure and you're the recipient. When you find yourself with a set of challenging work responsibilities, it can seem like they're adding insult to injury. We've all been there when we got this big burden on our back, and then someone decides that they want to ride and they sit on you. So when I was just starting out in the business world, I had a couple of experiences that really shaped me in some positive ways. One of my first consulting jobs was working on developing research and development proposals, R&D proposals. It was good work, but it was hard, and it involved working with marketing people, lawyers, research scientists, and a whole mess of other folks. My job was to prepare these massive proposal documents, sometimes thousands of pages, and see to it that all of the people and interests involved were fairly and accurately represented. There were usually technical details, functional analyses, work plans, financial data. Okay, a lot of people would be bored with that kind of work, but I loved it. And along with that, there were these tight deadlines. And as you might expect, with that level of complexity, there were also a whole lot of problems and challenges that could come up. So here's where the guts of the story begins. I worked with this one gentleman, a professional. He may have been an attorney, but I I don't really remember. But at one point, I ran into a significant problem with one of my projects, and so I went to him for help. His office backed up to mine, so to get there, I had to go around the corner, down the hall. I had a cube. He had a door. The door was open. I knocked, and he invited me in. I explained the situation to him and told him about the problem that we were facing and why it was so devastating to the project I was working on. After my detailed erudite explanation, I paused, waiting for him to dispense his wisdom and make everything all better. He basically tossed me out of his office. He told me never bring him a problem unless I'd also prepared to bring him two or three possible scenarios to resolve it. His door shut behind me, and there I was, standing in the hall, wondering what to do next. I meandered back to my cube and thought about what had just happened. As I sat down, I figured out that a problem without a solution is mostly a nuisance. So now I had to come up with some kind of a now-what contingency plan. Try as I might, I could only come up with two possible scenarios. I made my notes and made my way back to his office. The door was already open again. I knocked. He invited me in. Okay, déjà vu so far. I sat down, and he asked me what I had come up with. I explained the situation, 
and both of my possible solutions. And he picked the second one, made a couple of adjustments, and when we'd come to some agreements, I stood up to leave. I wish I remembered his, his exact words, but they were something to the effect of, whenever you bring me a problem, I want to know that you have thought it through and what it might take to fix it. That will help both of us in the long run. As I left, the door did not close behind me. I went back to my cube and went back to work. All these years later, I think on that as one of those moments that helped shape me as a leader. And now I'm going to mention names. That was John Skildum, and he did me a world of good when he tossed me out of his office. And I will always be grateful to him. That was great advice, and I really needed it. See, I know myself well enough to recognize that I could easily become a critical fault finder. Several years ago, James Steyer, the co-author of the book The Flight of the Buffalo, made an observation that's really stuck with me. Uh, He said that solving problems made him a great problem solver, but it made his employees great problem finders and even great problem creators. You see, I feel like John Skildum saved me from getting into that murky pit of being a problem finder and from all the professional bitterness that so often goes along with that. He taught me to think through issues to find a positive, meaningful way through them. He did that at a very important time in my career, and his wisdom has gone with me the whole way, and I've always been thankful for that. So thanks, John. See, it was a few years after that, and I was working as a full-time employee for a company, and I've never forgotten my third-year performance review. Let me interrupt this for a brief rant. In most cases, performance reviews are deceptive and counterproductive. My wife, who's a brilliant leader, says that all people care about is, you're not fired, here's your raise. She's worked hard in her role to help people to develop their skills and make performance reviews meaningful. So listen, if you're a leader and everyone gets outstanding performance, you're doing a disservice to everyone. Those kind of reviews might keep the peace, but they do nothing to help the employees or the organization. It makes it difficult to discipline the employees who need it, and it makes it equally difficult to reward those who deserve it. But I digress. Of course, that's what I do best. Back to the story. With this company, it was my third performance review and I, was, I thought all was going well. I had some areas of strength, some areas to work on. And at the end of my review, my boss said something like, your thinking is good, and you really work through things well. That said, what I would like you to do for this next year is focus on refining your business sense. See, that was another significant moment in my personal and professional growth. My boss, again, I'll use names, Donelda Cox, helped me to understand that there is a way of thinking about business. Now, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not suggesting that there's a different ethical playing field. We'll talk more about that in a future episode. But she made an important point. Donelda helped me learn to think about profit and loss statements, about budgets and value and return on investment, profitability, sustainability. She was really way ahead of her time. She believed in social responsibility and sustainability before those terms were even around. She gave me a framework for thinking about business in a responsible way. She didn't just tell me to work on my business sense. She provided me some tools and coaching to help me in that area. Uh, Donelda and I served under the leadership of a vice president named Ian Jaggard, who has since returned to his homeland in the UK. 
and I've often said that if the two of them were to call me and say, we're putting the team together for another big project and we'd like you on board, it would be very difficult for me to say no. They were great bosses at a time in my career when I could really benefit from great bosses. They were both good for me, so thanks, Ian and Dinalda. See, there was about seven years between John and Ian and Dinalda, and all of them put some things into me that really needed to be there. They would not let me take on a victim mentality. Instead, they challenged me to think about what I could do to make things better. You see, that is the nature of pressing leadership. When we learn to press well, the people around us are equipped to excel. The people we lead learn not to wallow in everything that's wrong, but instead they find ways to make things right. Pressing leadership is about saying to the people we lead, hey, you take the lead, you don't need me for this. This is not easy to do. As I mentioned in an earlier episode, if we're not equipping people to lead, we're failing in a key aspect of leadership. We need to press the idea that we can all take personal responsibility. And now, advice you already know. Beware of rabid dogs. Here we go. Sometimes people will take the leadership we give them and use it to do an end run around us. And even worse, they'll do an end run around the ethics or legality of a situation. As a leader, it's your responsibility to keep them out of trouble. It's a bad thing to let people use their responsibilities um, in ways that compromise the well-being of the organization, the work team, or even the employee himself or herself. Unfortunately, that's not an easy call. The Apostle Paul put it this way, Do not use your freedom as an excuse for sin. The same principle applies here. If you have someone who is not equipped to handle the leadership you are pressing toward them, be cautious. Help them to develop into someone who can be trusted. I want you to try this this week. Try pressing leadership and let someone take on some new responsibility. Make them think beyond their current crisis and come up with their own now what plan. Yes, you'll still have to monitor it. You may have to help them refine it, but it will be theirs. People tend not to respond very well to edicts and grand pronouncements that are forced upon them. Pressing leadership is not about telling people what to do, only louder and more forcefully. It's about helping them to develop the skills they need to make wise decisions and sort out thorny problems on their own. See, when I was putting together the script for this episode, it struck me that some of the ideas that I'm talking about here align with some of the material from John Miller in his book, QBQ, The Question Behind the Question. In a lot of ways, Miller's book is a field guide to taking personal responsibility in the midst of life and work. If you've not read it, I would encourage you to do so. And by the way, it's no fair giving it to someone else and telling them, you should read this which is exactly what I just did, sorry. But you get my point. Those leaders I had in the formative days of my career helped me to learn to take responsibility for my actions and helped me to be accountable for both my successes and my failures. Miller's book, QBQ, will be good for you. Read it and apply it. Ugh, I did it again. With a tip of the hat to Ernie Kovacs, it's time once again for Mr. Question Man. All of the questions sent to Mr. Question Man are carefully tabulated and filed. Some of them are read. 
We had one question, more of an observation, really, but I'll pretend it was a question and answer it anyway. A listener writes, you mentioned so many different ways to identify what kind of person we are, such as learning style and so on. Okay, still no question mark there. I might have to become Mr. Statement Elucidation Man. Well, no. Okay, so we will be looking at some of those ideas in greater detail in future episodes. Somewhere around episode 9 or 10, we'll be discussing some key ideas around how we can learn to lead ourselves, and we'll have some formal and informal tools for helping you to sort out the complexity of your own personal identity as a leader. So if you have questions related to the subject matter on Great Ridge Station, you can always chirp me on FaceSpace. I told you, I'm hilarious. The best way to reach me is to tweet me, LJ Helgerson, or or use hashtag GRSQuestions. If you're not on Twitter, our show page has some other contact information. Uh, Thanks to all the folks I know who have been early adopters and subscribed to this podcast even before it got listed on Apple iTunes. We appreciate your feedback, your words of encouragement. I take that seriously, and I'll keep working hard to exceed your expectations. And only occasionally will I ask you to lower them. Thanks for joining us at Great Ridge Station. As the train boards and rolls on to its next destination, we hope you found your time here helpful. Consider what you've learned and what strategies and practices you can implement right now. If you have leadership questions that you'd like us to address, we'd love to hear from you, and you can find the questions link on our show page. We can't answer everything, but we'll watch for themes and big-picture questions and get to as many as we can. All content is developed by Dr. Sam Helgerson with appropriate citations of outside sources. Our sound engineer is Brick Martin. All background and bumper media is in the public domain and retrieved from archive.org. The opening music is from Guy Lombardo, Down by the River. The closing music is from Annunzio Montavani, Skyscraper Fantasy. Limited opportunities are available for supporting sponsorships. Contact information is available on our show page. I'm already looking forward to your next visit to Great Ridge Station. Bye-bye.